But I heard this, the story of this uh, family in Orlando uh, or that had booked this Orlando vacation trip at the, one of the Disney resorts. And they booked it through a third party. And, and uh, as they made their reservations, they, they paid in advance to come to this third party. And this was on the news. And they arrived at the place to find they had no reservation and they had no place to stay. And what had happened was this third party had kind of scammed them out of their money. And what it was is they had made the assumption because they were booking something at this reputable place, a Disney resort, that the third party that they used was as reputable. They had made a false assumption on that and ended up losing like $3,000. It was a very sad case, and a bunch of people came together and helped them and, and all that, which, was, which is great. But those things happen, you know, and, and right now we have been in this uh, message series that we've titled Times and Seasons, Times and Seasons, and the signs of the times. We've been talking about the signs of the times of the last days, and I've talked to you about this uh, for several weeks now. Jesus, out of Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the signs of the times of the last days, and he says in there three times he uses the word there'll be deception. He tells us, he says, take heed that no one deceives you. He's talking about the signs of the times of the last days. He says, take heed, no one deceives you. For many will come and deceive many. And then he says, even false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now what Jesus is telling us there is that in these last days, dece deception is going to run rampant. There's going to be times where you're not going to know who to believe, what to believe, how to believe. Only thing that you'll have to be able to stand firm is knowing your God, standing firm on, on the, the Word of God and on the rock of your salvation because the world, in the world, he says there's going to be deception. Now, deception in today, what we are experiencing and what we see like in this story I was telling you is scams and fraud and, and all of these different things that we hear about in the news through uh, takes place through credit cards and, and through our, our cell phones and other devices. You know, there's all kinds of, of deception that's taking place. Why? Because it's the last days. It's what Jesus was speaking about. Is anybody understanding and tracking with me? Okay. Now, there is, an, there is an open door to deception, and I want to talk to you about deception. I want to talk to you today about an open door that most of us are open to, which is an open door to deception, and that is called assumption. This family assumed that they were dealing with a reputable company. Just a couple weeks ago, I told you how we went to help a family in need by, by the church paying their electric bill, and the FPNL transferred us to a third party to pay it. And since that time, we got our, our accounts were, were, were breached, and we had a, num a number of, of fraudulent checks. And, and of course, we had to close that account, open a new account, and it's just been a major, major headache. But it was deception. Okay, it wasn't FPNL, it wasn't this family in need, it was some group of people with their intent was to deceive us and steal our money, right? Same thing. And that's what Jesus is saying is taking place. It's not just people that will deceive you. It's, there's deception because deception is a spirit. 
Are you hearing me? And an open door to this deception is something that I want to talk with you about today. It's called, the, it's called assumption. Assumption. Now, the word assumption means an act of taking something for granted without knowledge. Assumption is taking something for granted without knowledge. There's, there's an old saying. My dad used to tell me this. I had an uncle that used to tell me this. He would always say, trust, but verify. Anybody ever heard that? Amen. Trust, but verify. Have you ever made an assumption about something or someone that cost you? Based on an assumption. See, I think we've, all of us have kind of paid the assumption tax collector. I know I have. And we've all lost because of that, because we've made assumptions. And we all make assumptions about things in life. Every day, we make assumptions. You can't know everything. The Bible says there is there's safety in the multitude of counsel. You know, too many people... Too many people think that, that it, it, they shouldn't ask for advice or ask for counsel. And that's pride. The Bible says there's safety or security in the multitude uh, of counsel. And, but we all make as assumptions every day. Some good assumptions uh, that work out. Some assumptions that are not so good that don't work out or make even cost you. How many of you ever gone to a restaurant that you assumed was going to be really good, and it wasn't. Doesn't hurt you too bad, but it cost you a meal, right? Ever taken a taxi ride? How many take a taxi ride? Ever take a taxi ride? About halfway through the ride, you're going, does this person really know where we're going? Yeah. I've taken a taxi ride, and I'm going, I don't know if I want to go where they're taking me. Okay? How many have ever flown on an airplane? How many know that... When you, make it, you get on an airplane and you make an assumption that that pilot knows what he's doing, that he's trained, he knows where he's going, right? Now, years ago when I was in business, we used to charter uh, to go to various places. Uh, we, we would charter small planes. And, and in this particular case, we had to get to a remote area of Georgia, and so we chartered a small plane and out of Daytona. And uh, the pilot landed at the wrong airport. He actually landed at a private airstrip and we had no idea where we were at once he landed. Now, we assumed that pilot knew where he was going, and, uh, but we, we realized later, well, we got to get back on track here, but it was based on an assumption. You see, there's, there's assumptions that are good that work out. There's assumptions you make that don't work out. But there are some assumptions in life you cannot afford to make. And I want you to hear this. You cannot afford to make the assumption that your wife or your husband or your children, family, know that you love them. Don't make the assumption they know it. Tell them every day. Tell them every day. I think I end every phone call with my children, my wife, my children, with I love you. Don't assume that. Don't assume that you have time to ask forgiveness or to forgive somebody. You may not have that. Don't assume you have that time. Dr. Dale, he'll be here. Dr. Dale Van Steenis is one of our board of directors. He's a spiritual, one of our spiritual fathers and a, and a missionary evangelist. And he'll be here at the end of August. And I remember uh, a message he spoke years ago, one of the first messages I ever heard him speak. And it was called, Be, be Quick Forgivers. Be Quick Forgivers. Get rid of that weight quickly. Don't hold 
unforgiveness. Don't assume that you have time to forgive or ask forgiveness. Here's a big one, and this is part of the point of my message today. It's a big one, and this is don't assume your view of God is accurate. That one hit hard, doesn't it? Every time you open your Bible, every time you look into the Word, you need to pray, God, challenge my heart. Challenge my assumptions. Confront me with your Word, Lord. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit will confront you if you ask him. But if you're hard-headed or hard-hearted, the Word won't, won't be able to help you. In fact, if the Word of God can't change you every time you open it, it cannot help you. Are you hearing me, church? I told you a couple weeks ago, don't have a world view of God. Have a God view of the world. The only way we can see things by, by, by the God's viewpoint is through his Word. We need a God view of the world. We need a God view of things. We need to see things from God's point of view. And we need to ask God, confront everything that wants to assume different than your word, than your truth. Are you hearing me? Amen. It will protect you from deception, church. I'm talking today about confronting assumptions. Confronting assumptions. And I want to talk with you out of a story. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 25. And I want to talk with you about a man who made some wrong assumptions, and it cost him everything. This man made the made wrong assumption, it cost him everything. Matthew uh, 25, we're going to start reading at verse 14. You know, Jesus in this, this is called the parable of the talents. And Jesus often told stories, uh, he called them parables, the Bible calls them parables. And what they were was they, is there are stories in the natural, they are natural stories that relate to a spiritual truth. And so that's what Jesus, that's what he taught. But Jesus used parables to confront people, the religious people, that thought they knew everything. And, and the word of God was standing in front of them, confronting them with a parable, with a story. So I want to just, let me share this story with you. And we're going to read verses 14 through 30. And I want you to follow along close uh, with me, starting at verse 14. Jesus says, again, it will be like going on a journey. Who called, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went out at once and put the money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done. 
I can almost hear the pride in, in his voice. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Do you hear that in that, those words, the joy of the Lord? That he, he, says, he says, I'm going to put you in charge of so much more now. He says, come and share the master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew or I assumed that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, listen to this, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has 10 bags. For those who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. For those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, we ask you, Lord, we ask anoint our ears and our hearts today to receive your word in truth and in faith and in challenge. Confront our hearts with your word. Confront and challenge our lives to action today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to look real quick at what I'm calling six dangerous assumptions that we can make. Six dangerous assumptions this servant made in this story. First is what I'm calling the ability assumption. Verse 15 says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his, say, ability. The word ability is the Greek word dunamis. It, it means power. He gave it according to his ability, but it also means it is dunamis, but it also means delegated power, delegated authority. In other words, he wasn't giving each of these servants uh, according to their ability, he was giving to them according to the way they received his delegated power, his delegated authority in their life, what they did with it based on what was delegated to them. In other words, it wasn't just the gold that was the master's. Are you hearing me? It was the power to multiply that was also the master's. Are you hearing me? Okay. So, the essence of delegated authority is not about you. The essence of ability is not about you. Delegated authority is based on the power and the authority entrusted to you through the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So often I, we talk with people, hey, would you, would you help in this way or do this? Well, I'm, I'm just not good at that. I, I don't think I could do that. I'm going to tell you something. God has given everyone. The Bible says he gave everyone a measure of faith. He's given you. He, he said, I, I said this in, in, in a few minutes ago in prayer. He will not withhold any good thing from you. 
He will not withhold his power. He gives you his authority, his power to do it. It's not your authority and power. It's his that he gives to you. How are you going to use it? It's the ability assumption. I don't have the ability to do that. No, yes, you do, because he gave it to you. Stop deceiving yourself. Open up your heart and mind. No, I can do that. It doesn't matter how young. It doesn't matter how old. It doesn't matter how talented or untalented. I am the most untalented person in the world. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. But I'm going to tell you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? God has entrusted to all of us his authority, power, and possessions. The question is, what will you do with it? That's the ability assumption. See, I believe in this story, I believe the guy that he gave the five to, in a previous uh, circumstance, probably he'd probably given him two. And the guy that he gave two, he had probably previously given him one. And based on what they did with what he had given them, now he's given the guy that he previously gave two, now he's given him five. And the guy that he previously gave one, now he's given him two. Why? Because that's what he promises. He says, I'm going to give you more when you do with what I've given you. So, so break the assumption. Let God confront the assumption right now. It's not about your ability. It's about his ability through you. Are you hearing me, church? It's time to confront the assumptions of your ability, that delegated authority. I want to ask you today, have you put the things God has already delegated to you, spoken to you to do, have you put those things to work in your life? You see, today's the day to let God confront you with that and put those things to work in your life. It's time. It's time to put God's delegated authority and power through you to work while you still have time. Did you hear the last words? While you still have time. The Bible tells us there's coming a time where we will not be able to work. Are you hearing me? Now's the time, church. Now's the time. So the first assumption is, the, is that ability assumption. The, the second assumption is significance assumption. Now, I want you to hear me really clear with this, okay? Because I don't want you to misunderstand me on this. But he says in verse 15, he says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, if you make the assumption here that your significance, that the master is looking on you and your significance based on what he gives you, you're making the wrong assumption. He's not basing it on, he's not basing what he, your, the significance he has in you based on what he has given you. He's basing the significance on you based on what you will do with what he gives you. Do you have the faith to believe that God can do all things through me? You see, that's the key here. That's the significance. God looks at you a lot more significantly than he looks at, than, than you think. Probably a lot more than you think of yourself. God thinks you can do all things. Say word all. Does that exclude anything in God's language? No. It includes everything. God expects you and believes in you. And he sees you as so significant that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
nothing lacking, if you will take his authority, his power, and his possessions and allow them to be used and put them to work through your life. Are you hearing me, church? You see, I believe I'm calling him Mr. One Bag. <laughs> Mr. One Bag. I believe Mr. One Bag went off and he gave them five. He gave him two. He only gave me one. I can't do anything with one, right? He didn't give me anything. I didn't get any talents. So I'm just going to go dig a hole and bury this. He went off complaining. Too many people complain about what they don't have instead of what they have through Christ, through God, who promises us that we can do all things through him. Stop complaining about what you don't have and start working with what you do have. Look at what's in your hand. You look and you see nothing. God says, no, I'm going to fill your hands with power and authority and with possessions. And what you do with it is how I look at you, the significance that I look at you. Do you know that we're not going to be, we're going to be judged. We're not going to be judged by position in life, how much money we made, how much, you know, power we got in the earth or, or how high we went on the corporate ladder. We're not going to be judged. We're going to be judged based on what we did with what God gave us. Are you hearing me? I'm going to quickly use this. I know I'm, I'm, I'm falling behind. I told Pastor Tim I, I got six uh, points, and he laughed. He goes, you think you'll finish them? I'm going to finish them. <laughs> but think about this. What are you doing with your salvation? The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but most of us take our salvation for granted. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do anything. No, God says work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. I'm telling you, do it while it's not about you going to heaven. Yes, your, your, your salvation is secure, okay? Let's, let's put that behind us. But what are you doing with your salvation? Are you multiplying it in other people's lives? Are you giving it away? Are you sharing it? Are you getting other people to go to heaven? Are you hearing me, church? So the first is the ability Assumption. Second is the significant assumption. The third is the safety assumption. Verse 24, Mr. One Bag says, <laughs> Mr. One Bag says, I knew that you were a hard man. I, I assume this, okay? This is his assumption. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I thought I'd better play it safe. This is, a, this is a tough, I'm going to play it safe. I don't want to lose what he's put in my hands because I know he's a hard person. See, safety requires no faith. Let me add, say that again. Safety requires zero faith. Are you hearing me? The, the greatest danger in life is not that you would fail. It's that you would be faithless. Robert Shuler used to say, I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than attempt to do nothing and succeed. Are you hearing me, church? The master here referred to and called, listen to this, he calls the spirit of safety wicked and, and the servant lazy. Why? Because he played it safe. 
The spirit of safety. I, I don't want to do this. You know, I got to hold on. You know that the Bible tells us that the harder and closer you hold on to things, the more you will lose them. When you start being free with things, that, that's when you start to receive things. It's so, it's so different from the ways of the world. We got to understand the kingdom of God is different. It is inverse. There's an inverse relationship between the, the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of God. And when you start thinking of God with a worldview, you lose who he is, his nature. That's why we've got to see, we've got to see the world through a God view. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. So stop playing it safe. Exercise your faith every day. I'm going to say it again. Every day, find something to exercise your faith in. Even if it's small, if it's just one talent, that's okay. Exercise your faith. If maybe it's two talents, exercise your faith. Find something to stop. Every time you think about being safe with something, stop and say, no, God, I choose to exercise my faith and believe that you have called me to something greater. You've given me the power. You've given me, me the authority. You've given me the possession. I'm going to exercise my faith with it. Are you hearing me, church? Go out and use your faith. Stop being safe. The fourth assumption that I want you to see here is the urgency assumption. This is a really big one. Verse 16 says, The man who had received five bags of gold went and at once, in the New King James it says, immediately he put his money to work. Whose money? His master's money. Immediately he went out. At once he went out. Notice his urgency. He didn't say, well, I want to look around and see what everybody else is doing. No. He didn't stop and say, well, now that I've got this, I need to think about this and, and develop a plan. I'm going to tell you, this: the guy with the five bags, I believe the guy with the two bags, they had a plan before the master gave them the money. Yeah. Why? Because they knew the master. Are you hearing me? They knew they had nothing. I want you to know something. We, are, we have nothing. Do you hear me? We have nothing. You may think you have your bank account and your income and your house and possessions. You may think you have, but all of that, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, all of the increase. But guess what he says? He says, everything I have is yours. But most of us limit our lives to what we have in our bank account and what we have in our possession. That's it. That's all I've got. And we ignore what God is teaching us and telling us his authority, his power, his possessions. Are you listening to me? You see, I believe they pre-planned, but Mr. One Bags, false assumption. Mr. One Bags runs out, finds a hole, digs a hole, and puts it in a hole because why? He's, he's going to play it safe. He's not going to risk anything. He's not going to risk it for the master. He's going to play it safe. He's, he, and, and that assumption makes him fearful. So he does nothing, no urgency at all about doing anything for the master. You see, urgency will create opportunity. Urgency will create too many of us as we get older. I find that myself as I'm growing older is everything wants to, I want everything slower. No, I'm going to tell you something. 
I got to be urgent every day to be about my master's business every day. Just as much as I had to when I was 20s and 30s and 40s. I've got to be urgent about my master's business. Church, get a sense of urgency on you. Not out of fear because you don't have much time left, but out of urgency because of your love for God and his kingdom and what and his purpose for you living and breathing. Are you hearing me, church? Leonard Ravenhill said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. What do you think of that? Urgency creates opportunity. Stephen Furtick, I heard him uh, a while back say this. The space between God's instruction and your obedience is the measure of spiritual maturity. See, most of us want to think that spiritual maturity is, man, I know scripture backwards and forward. Man, I pray every day. But he says, no, if you, if you really read his word, if you, really, if you really have faith, the space between his instruction and my obedience is real spiritual maturity. I thought that was really good. So obedience demands action, church. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are we ready to stop assuming the things the world wants us to assume? Are we ready to, to allow our assumptions to be challenged and confronted and to do what the Word of God says? Are you ready? I am. First, okay, let's go to five now. So that one was the urgency assumption. Now the maintenance assumption. The maintenance assumption. Verse 25 says, so I was afraid. This is Mr. Wunkbag, okay? He says, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He acknowledges it belongs to him. But he says, no, I just wanted to maintain what you gave me. Mr. Wunkbag was just maintaining what his master had given him. You see, faithlessness is faithfulness, faithfulness, be very clear, faithfulness is not maintenance, it's multiplication. Go back to Genesis. I've been reading a lot of Genesis lately. In Genesis, he says over and over, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Church, hear that. That, that, that message to each of us still rings clear. Be fruitful and multiply. He doesn't say maintain. He doesn't say get a hold of and just maintain it. He says multiply it. Faithfulness is putting what the master's given you to work. Multiplication is what happens. Understand, God gives us his power, his delegated authority, his possessions. And he says, now just put it to work. He says, now put it to work. When I, when I take what he's given me and I put it to work with a sense of urgency... And I put down the safety idea. I just take what he's given me and put it to work. That's called faith. If I take what he's given me and I say, I don't know what I should, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. That's a lack of spiritual maturity. God gives, put it to work. God gives, put it to work. Are you hearing me, church? Don't develop a maintenance Mentality. We don't have the time for maintenance. We got to go. 
The sixth one is really powerful, and the worship team can come on up. The sixth one is the entitlement assumption. Entitlement. Verse 29 says, for those who have, that word have, if you look at that, for those who have, add this in, you can write in your Bible, for those who have multiplied, those who have been faithful with what God's given, for those who have multiplied will be given more. Okay? That's biblical. Those who have multiplied will be given more, for they will have an abundance. How, how do you have something and then have an abundance of it. You have an abundance because it's multiplied. So those who multiplied will be given, a more, given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, in other words, that maintained, even what they have will be taken away from them. My old football coach used to say, Johnson, use it or lose it. He was talking about my talents on the field. He was saying, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Okay? The entitlement assumption is this. And you, you got to hear this clear. And I'm, I will close in a minute, but stay tuned right now. Stay, stay with me. Here's the entitlement assumption that this first, that Mr. One Bag had. Here's the entitlement. You have five bags. You should be sharing it with me. You have so much, you should be giving it to me. You hearing me? Entitlement assumption is, I'm entitled to what God has given me. I don't have much anyway. That's what causes people to hang on. Are you hearing me? Entitlement assumption is, if God wanted me to do more, he'd have given me more. That's because you're looking at what you have as yours. You got to look into what God has, what God's promised you. You got to have faith. You got to quit playing safe. You got to take what he's given you and put it to work. Take what he's given you and put it to work. Stop thinking that what he's given you is yours. It's not yours. It becomes so much more when you let it stay his. When you take it and make it your own, it becomes small and insignificant and eventually you lose it. Are you hearing me, church? Let it stay his. Take it, put it to work. When it's, when it's out there working for you, it's still his. It's not yours. Assumption is the act of taking for granted. What this passage is saying here, and hear this, what is taken for granted will eventually be taken away. Assumption, the thing you're assuming will eventually be taken away. Don't assume you're entitled to anything. Don't assume it. Take what God gives you, put it to work. I want to close with a couple scriptures and a couple final challenges and encouragement to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm going to read that to you again because I want you to grasp what he's saying. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Word of God. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, he's talking to you. Put your finger in your chest. Listen to these words. Read it on the screen. Read it in your Bible. Be steadfast. That means like a rock. Be immovable. Always what? Abounding 
That means always growing, always multiplying, always about my father's business. Be abound. Well, what if I'm 85 years old? You know, shouldn't I? No, you can always be abounding because it doesn't matter if you're, you're 10 or you're 90. It doesn't matter. The word of God applies to you the same. Are you hearing me, church? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What Paul is telling us there, be determined. Be undistracted. Be focused. Always growing and multiplying. Taking what he gives, putting it to work. Taking what he gives, putting it to work. Here's the key. Want the key to unlock this message? The first two servants didn't, take, didn't just take possession of the master's wealth. They took responsibility for the master's wealth. Mr. One Bag took possession, but he never took responsibility. You see, as children of God, he gives us, he tells us everything, is, everything he has is ours. He doesn't want us to take possession. He wants us to take responsibility for what he's done. You see, church, it's a time to allow our assumptions, our mindsets to be challenged and confronted by the Word of God, by His truth. And we've all got them. We've all got entrenched mindsets. It's time to invite the Holy Spirit. It's in time to invite the Word of God. Challenge me. Challenge my thoughts, my entrenched mindsets, Confront my heart, Lord, with your word. Confront me with truth. Change me, God. Change me. See, church, I want you to see this because we're all at a crossroads. You are at a crossroads. We as a church are at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads because God is removing our comfort zone of, of property in a building. He's doing to us what he did to Abraham. He took Abraham out, and he says, I'm not even going to tell you where I'm going to send you. But I'm sending you. I'm sending you out to be the father of many nations. I'm sending you out to do things that you could never do if you stay where you're at. See, we're at a crossroads, church. But you are at a crossroads individually because every one of us are dealing with the times and seasons we live in. Every one of us. The question is, how are you going to approach them? How are you going to respond to them when they come? Are you going to respond in faith? Take what he has, put it to work. Take what he has, put it to work. Are you going to respond to it in fear? Take what he has, I better hang on. This could be a long time. Are you hearing me? Are you going to take what he has, put it to work? Action. Faith, action. Faith, action. The Bible says faith without action is dead faith. It's not faith at all. Would you bow your heads with me? See, I, I believe right now, this morning, this message, the whole idea of this message was to confront some mindsets I'm going to tell you that the Lord began to 
imprint this on me this last week. Actually, it's probably a week before last. And God has been really dealing with me with allowing the Word of God to confront me, seeing it like a fresh page, seeing it for, for what it is. It's, it's, it's alive and it's, 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 it is powerful and it will change me every day when I open it. God is saying to you this morning, He's saying, my word will change you if you're willing to be changed. But here's what you have to do. You have to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, use your word to change my heart. Use your word to tear down old assumptions and mindsets. Use your word to destroy the kingdoms of my mind and that you could establish the kingdom of God in me. The Lord's saying that to you this morning. How will you respond? How will you respond? If you're here this morning and you're saying, I want you to just all stand to your feet. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I got some old assumptions that need confronting. I just want you to put your hands up because I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to tell you that We've got to take steps forward, church. We've got to take positive, aggressive moves forward. And we start that by admitting ourselves, I need change. I need change. And the only change is His Word. So just lift your hands if that's you this morning. If you're saying, Lord, I want you to come into me. Holy Spirit, this is the prayer that you're asking. This is it. Simple. I'm not asking you to do anything for me. I'm not asking you to do anything for the church. I'm simply saying, this is what God wants to do in your life. And if you'll lift your hands and invite him, he will. Say, Holy Spirit, come on church, pray this with me. Holy Spirit, confront my heart with your word, with the word of God. Challenge me today with your word. Change me to be like you want me to be. God, give me, give me the faith to take what you give me and put it to work. Now, in my life, while there's still time. And so, Father, that's what I pray today, Lord. That's what we pray as a church. That's what we pray individually. That's what I pray for my children and grandchildren. I pray that God today challenges with your word. Final scripture, Philippians 3.12. says, not that I have already attained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Church, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. I haven't attained anything. But I will tell you that I'm determined and I want you to be determined to decide in your heart, I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on to the purposes of God. I'm going to press on to my purpose in life. I'm going to press on right now for everything that Jesus took a hold of me for. So Father, today, Lord, that's our prayer. I pray, Lord, that you will seal all of this in the Holy Spirit of God. 
Holy Spirit, seal these words, this message, in each of our hearts and minds and lives. Seal it, Lord. Don't let any of it escape. Let your word take seed and root in our hearts, Lord, and become fruitful. Lord, I pray that each one of us will determine today to go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's sing this last song together. Seal what the Lord has done.